This is Karen Griffin introducing the Space to Be podcast on people, performance, leadership, and love. Conversations with leaders, practitioners, experts, and authors about the world of work in the 21st century. delighted to introduce Amanda Bolger, a highly experienced leadership coach and facilitator with expertise in developing leaders, working with clients to effect behavioural change and developing their careers. Amanda has been coaching for 22 years and prior to this held HR positions at several companies including Ernst & Young. Of note, Amanda has a long-held passion for supporting those with a preference for introversion and also advocating for their power and influence in the workplace. Welcome, Amanda. It's so good to have you join us today. Thank you very much, Karen. I'm delighted to be here. So tell us, where did your connection to the power of introversion start? Right. Well, I'm, I've been coaching leaders, as you know, for many years. And being an introvert myself, I was really curious when coaches started to talk about um, the challenges that they face at work when they feel that they're not the stereotypical outgoing leader. And I would hear perceptions about their quiet style that other people make. So I worked with somebody who told me um, she's an introvert and her leader said to her, you'll never make a leader because you're an introvert. So Gosh. that was very in your face. So, um, so I was really interested in, you know, how do introverts make great leaders? So discounting, isn't it, to hear that at an early part of your career? It must be. Uh, yes. 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 Incredible bias. Yeah. So what what do we actually mean by introversion? It's probably worth us spending a bit of time on explaining that um, because there's, there's a whole there's a specificity around it, isn't there? Yes, yes, exactly. So so I prefer to use the Myers-Briggs definition. So MBTI, I use their definition of distinction between introverts and extroverts. So what they say is it's about where you get your energy from. So it's not about confidence. It's not about how confident you are. And it's not about how social you are. So the so an extrovert, if they're feeling tired, they might go and want to be with other people because they'll recharge their batteries by being with other people, by talking and so on. Whereas the introverts are complete opposite. If they're feeling tired, they may need to go and be on their own to reflect and think and have that deep focus. And that recharges their, their social battery, if you like. And neither one is better than the other. It, it's just very different. Yeah. So that that Myers Briggs definition is is I think the one that's most useful for people. Absolutely, and I know in everyday language we we use the term introvert and extrovert, and we may well refer to it here. But what we're really referring to is a preference for introversion and a preference for extroversion. So it's less about being in a box and more about having that underlying preference in terms of where your energy likes to be. Yes, exactly. Yes, we can all act in the opposite type. Yeah. It just drains us of, of a bit more energy. So we our preferences to, to default to our our preferred type. Yeah. yeah. So do we have any data on who is what? 
We do, Karen. <laughs> um, so the Myers-Briggs company did um, um, some research in 2018. It was published in 2018. It's the most recent data we've got. And it's actually based on 762,000 individuals. So a really big sample. And the split across the UK general population is actually 53% extroverts and 47% introverts. And I was really surprised when I saw that because I thought it was about two thirds extroverts, one third introvert. Um, and so that's so that's really interesting. It's you know much more even yes. split than yeah. we might have we might have assumed. So that's the general population. You're right. I think most people, we live in an ex, potentially an extroverted world, don't we? So people are being pulled all the time to, to get into that space. And therefore, if we don't know them well, we may read them as such. And what about leaders in the workplace? What stats do we have on the split there? Yeah, so in the same research, um, in, in terms of first level managers, the split is 64% extroverts versus 36% introverts. So there were a fewer leaders at the first level of managers re represented. There are fewer yeah. extrovert, uh, introverted leaders. Um, and if we look at C-suite, so if we go all the way up to C-suite, mm. the percentage split is even greater. So it's actually 73% of leaders are thought to be extroverts, yeah. whereas only 27% are introverted leaders so they are under uh, introverts are underrepresented significantly in leadership yes yes exactly gosh um so what meaning have you made over the years from these statistics well i'm wondering if it, if the statistics say there is this bias in in western culture particularly towards extroversion and that people who are sort of outgoing um, are, are valued more, um, which is partly why I'm on my soapbox about introverted leadership, because I believe that introverts make great leaders. They, yeah. you know, they have a different style. So there's some meaning there. And the same survey, um, and this might be surprising to you, it's, it found out that 92% of introverted leaders at work feel pressurised to behave in a more extroverted way. So 92% of people feel pressurised to be more extrovert. And if people are acting out of their natural preferences, it's got implications for resilience, hasn't it? Because we we can I can remember coming home from work being so drained mm. that I couldn't even speak to anyone at home. I literally had no energy to do that, and you know, not good for nothing. So it has got you know implications for well being. I think as well that we need to take into account. Yeah, and working from home is probably helping them, I'd imagine, if those who are managing to work from home a little bit more these days. Um, but of course, design of office spaces and, and how one gets their job actually done, you know, time together versus time apart, it it's all important, isn't it? If you were truly yes. kind of op optimising how much time you get to be in your favoured space. Yes. If you, if you have a preference for introversion. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I've even heard of introverts having to go into the and work in the toilets just to, <laughs> in oh the word. washrooms just to find some quiet space, you know, because right. no office space has been available. 
Um, but I think hybrid working can help because people, you know, then have an opportunity to choose their, you know, their favoured space um, yeah. a bit more than pre-pandemic. So, but yeah, so introverts hate open plan offices typically, yeah. So as we think a little bit more around, you know, what it well, what the differences are between those with a preference for introversion and extroversion, I know from my own work with MBTI over the years um, that it's really important to emphasise that it's not a matter of capability, it's a matter mm. of preference and energy. So where an introverted leader, for example, is being encouraged at times to be more extroverted, it doesn't mean to say that they're going to be less good at it. In actual fact, they might be absolutely brilliant at it. And over the years, I know I've coached many people who are more naturally introverted, who are excellent in that presentation space with influencing senior stakeholders. But it isn't where their natural energy wants them to be. They've just taught themselves how to flex their style in that moment. So they can be as good or even better than those with a preference yeah. for extroversion. So it's never a matter of capability. And I think that's really important for those people who might be listening, who perhaps have never heard of Myers-Briggs or never had any coaching in this regard. People can make judgments, can't they, which aren't fair based on what they are and, are and aren't saying or showing up in, in a meeting room. So I think that's important to stay. Yes, it's really important. And I, and I work with senior leaders in the civil service and I've worked with an ambassador from the foreign office and who's an introvert and he said yeah I've learned to do all the networking and all the social stuff you know it's it's a skill and I've learned it and I'm absolutely fine with it yeah. so it, you know it absolutely can be done. So I think when we were planning this this talk Amanda you talked well you mentioned that it isn't binary yeah, so um, it's not as it's not as complex as you know. You're you're an introvert and you're an extrovert. We're all a mix. So so to bring this to life, I'm a, I'm an introvert as as we know. But I love going to a class, an exercise class called Body Pump, where there's 50 people in the room and the music is blasting and everybody's shouting and cheering, and I feel great after it. Mm -hmm. My sister-in-law. Um, is a, a, you know, you'd call her a raging extrovert. She really is the life and soul of the party, but she loves gardening. She'll be in her garden on her own all weekend. And I can't think of anything more boring. So <laughs> it's really interesting to think about your own type and where you might be doing something that's the op opposite, because it's not as binary as, we, as we're describing here. Yeah. And the data shows that as we approach middle age, it can be that one or two of our four preferences tend to change as we start to explore the other side. And I know personally, I've always self-rated as a preference for extroversion. But, you know, these days I really love my quiet time and I, I need it more and more to refuel. So I'd be interested to see where if I was to do the MBTI, we, you know, these days and how I would come out. And I know now I need that quiet time as part of my own personal performance strategy so I can reflect and just be in with my own inner world and recharge that way instead of using ex the external stimuli to recharge. Yes, 
Yes, absolutely. And I run a talk on this on this sort of topic and I invite people to come up with their own opposite. And it's amazing what people, you know, come up with. Um, you know, they need to sort of be out with friends if they're introverts and, and so on. So, yes, it's such an interesting thing to do to reflect on, on what you need as an individual. Yeah. So now we've brought the subject to light. Um, and what might be your tips for both introverts and extroverts as they think about optimizing work performance you know how do we get the best out of each other perhaps mm -hmm. yeah sure so so I think there's just something about common understanding of the opposite type here so in terms of of introverts they like quiet for concentration so as we already know they, they don't typically like open plan offices and they do care more about their work. They they may know more than they reveal. And people can think because they're quiet, they're aloof, but they're not. They're just containing their energy. Um, so they dislike intrusion and interruptions. So, you know, be careful when you approach an introvert, because if you're interrupting that deep thinking, they might not react in, in the in the in a positive way. Um, so they might need to think and reflect before speaking and acting. So, you know, typically meetings, if a, if you ask an introvert a question, there may be a pause while they think about the answer, but they will give you a well, a well considered answer. And introverts typically dislike the limelight and they don't want to draw attention to themselves. So that's got sort of implications for introverted leaders and so on. So in terms of tips, I think particularly for introverts, be aware of your strengths. Typically, an introvert in, a, in an extroverted sort of bias environment will think there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. So really appreciate what you do bring as an introvert. It's this focus on relationships. Introverts are great listeners and reflectors. They, they have this skill of deep analysis and focus. They tend to remember details. They're, they're the creative, big ideas thinkers. So people like Einstein, Gandhi, Mother Teresa are all thought to have been introverts. One of the challenges for introverts is how to be more visible at work. And this is a theme that comes up when I'm coaching people so there's something here around developing your networking skills even though you may not enjoy it um, and being clear about why the networking is useful but also maybe raising your profile at work and and that of your team and typically people say to me I don't I'm not keen on raising my own profile, but it's really important that my team's work is recognised. So this is an example of them being understated. Yes. Um, and they'll they'll allow their, their people in their team to shine. So actually, extroverts like often like working with an introverted leader because they can go out and do all that extroverting networking piece. And the introverted leader can be doing all the strategic thinking behind the scenes. So it so it can be really a great alliance mm. in that way. Um, so it's having this strategy to raise your profile at work because um, the team could be doing all these extraordinary things. But if the organisation doesn't know about it, then, you know, that's a shame. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
They're all really good tips. And and even more so on a day-to-day basis, I mean, meetings, gosh, we all spend a lot of, lot of time in meetings. What might be some quick um, ideas here you have for both extroverts and introverts? Yeah, so meetings comes up, speaking up in meetings comes up as a coaching theme all the time. It's It's absolutely fascinating. And so some strategies that people have come up with are very really simple. So introverts, there's something about speaking very early in the meeting. So maybe even before the meeting has started in the sort of chit chat before it, it formally gets going, if you get your voice in the room and just say something, even if it's this small talk thing that actually introverts hate, <laughs> but just getting your voice out there seems to build confidence and it means that you can add add stuff to the conversation later. So speaking early, um, typically an introvert's thinking process is they like to gather all all of the data. So they'll be listening to the conversation in the meeting and they may then want to go away and reflect. Well, by that time, the meeting's finished. It's over. So if they've got thoughts later, if, is there an opportunity for to send in those thoughts to the chair or whoever or to colleagues in the meeting? You know, sometimes great ideas um, come up in the moment. And and actually, Susan Cain, who wrote the book Quiet, um, she says there's no correlation between um, uh, being a, a good talker and having good ideas. Mm. so it's quite an interesting quote there. there's, so there's going to be lots of introverts laughing at that <laughs> <laughs> yes yes um so I think extroverts can help out here so we've all been in meetings you know where typically you know one one or two people can dominate a conversation but extroverts can invite they're quieter colleagues to speak as well and and perhaps we have an etiquette of not talking over each other you know is a good one because typically introverts want to to reflect before they speak so there might be this pause and extroverts are thinking what the hell's going on um and actually introverts are just thinking so there's something here about understanding the preference of your your opposite type really that that can apply to meetings as well yeah and then I think there was a final one you were going to talk about. It's like, you know, don't overjudge hes- hesitancy. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, a he- hesitancy means thinking. Yeah. And it's not as if nothing's happening. And actually, I worked with somebody, um, a new idea was being proposed in a meeting, and this person was an introvert. And she so she went quiet. And her manager judged it to be that she was being defensive, that she didn't like the change. But it wasn't that at all. She was just thinking. She was just thinking about it and processing it. So she, her action was to have a chat with her manager and explain what was going on. She was actually thinking about the idea mm-hmm. and how it would work rather than being defensive about it. So if we can make these awful assumptions yeah. about people and, and if we know more about their how they show up in the workplace, that can be very, very powerful for communication. Thank you, Amanda. All lovely uh, anecdotes as well that you keep sharing just to help bring the subject alive. Um, so your final request on this topic, what would it be? I think it would be to um, think about your own preference and then go and find somebody at work that you perhaps don't know as well as you might 
and make friends with them and understand them. So extroverts go and find an introvert because if you ask them a question, you'll get a very well thought out response. Um, and I think um, introverts allow extroverts to get serious if they need to be serious and, and the opposite way round. You know, introverts need fun. So if you if you work with an extrovert, you know you're going to have some fun as well as as do the serious work. So and I think introverts need to build their network. So go and make friends with an extrovert because they'll know loads of people and they're tapped into the grapevine. So there's a plea here for understanding the opposite, the opposite person and getting to know them better because it will enrich your life. And performance in the workplace you know and team, performance team output. In the... yeah 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 exactly thank you amanda a really useful chat and um yeah i'd be interested to hear what people think who are listening today so uh, yes i'll, I'll be what... fascinated by that <laughs> thank you thank you for inviting me to do this i thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs>